Being a wife and mother can be challenging yet rewarding. The Bible has designed specific roles to the wife and the mother to pursue and live by which will bring forth an abundance of blessings to their marriage and family. Two weeks ago I heard there was a great uh, impact on the um, husbands and uh, after the sermon of calling of uh, a wife, calling of and ministry of a husband and father. So much so that I heard that there were some husbands who baked cakes for their wives on their birthdays. <laughs> and uh, there were some husbands who checked with their children what they wanted to do and they, you know, the children said you need to come back at least one or two days earlier and that's what they did. And in fact, that same husband actually for forgoed a meal a day because it was difficult for his working wife to cook two, three meals for him. Wow. So ladies, today is our day. Right? Let's show the men that we are as spirit-led. Okay. Right. Um, as I said last week, um, it's not that I'm in, I've mastered marriage and mastered being a mother, but then I am, um, I'm a work in progress. I have that board, wet paint. I'm still a work in progress. And I believe that uh, God is working in me just as much he's working in all of you. Ladies, I'd like you to go back 5, 10, 20 years, how many ever years you were, y'all were married, and uh, look back at what you committed to doing. I hope you remember what you said. Let me just take you through that. You said, I take you, the name of your husband, to have and to hold from this day forward, for better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, to love, to cherish and to obey, till death do us part, According to God's holy law, in the presence of God, I made this vow. Ladies, do you remember saying that? Yes? Okay, today we're going to have a heart check on to seeing how much we've lived up to the vow that we made. This is not to scare you, but this is just to make sure that we are in line with, God, with what God wants us to do. Let's just, just, just go into what the 21st century woman thinks of marriage today. You know, some women... Uh, think that, um, you know, they don't want to be controlled. They think that uh, marriage uh, is something that will absolutely domesticate them, keep them at home. Some women think that, you know, that they're too ambitious and industrious to be into marriage uh, and familyhood. Or some people say it's a total waste of time and energy because the whole concept of monogamy is something that they just can't gel with, right? So this is what the 21st century woman thinks. And how did this come from? I think it all arose around 70 80 to 80 years ago um, when the feminist movement came up. So the, the women, the feminists, basically what they, what they did is they influenced other women to give up, give up their roles. And what did they do in turn? They got convinced their men or their husbands to relinquish whatever roles they had. And finally, who's in trouble? We're the ones in trouble, right? Uh, men are, the men are not taking up their roles and the women find that they're just not able to take up the role of a man. Right. So let's look today at what the Bible says about women. You know, the Bible has a lot to say about women, especially in a time where, um, in a culture where women were debased, they were dis women were uh, absolutely degraded. The Bible actually exalted women, you know, honored women. Let's just look at a couple of things. One of the first things is that God
God uh, made women just like men, God gave women to bear the stamp of his image. So we are chosen by God and we bear the same image, you know, God's image. What is the second thing? Marriage is seen as a joint inheritance and it's also seen where the wives are respected partners and cherished companions. If you look into the Bible, God um, made Adam using, uh, sorry, God made Eve using man's rib, right? So when God created uh, Eve, he didn't take a piece out of Adam's head so that we would be over him. He didn't take a piece out of Adam's feet so that we would be under him. But God actually took out a rib so that we would have a rightful, rightful place on his side. Amen, women? Amen. Okay. If some of you, um, you know, some people have interpreted it this way. That when God made mad, God made man, he thought he could do better. That's why he made women. So if some of you want to feel happy that way, y'all could. Anyway, which you take it. The third thing is parenthood is seen as a partnership. If you look into the Bible, the Bible says that um, children are to revere their fathers as well as their mothers. Children are to obey and honor their fathers and their mothers. And this was quite revolutionary at that time because this was a time when women were not really uh, held at great esteem. But even at, at that time, you know, women were seen as honorable. The fourth one is women are by no means marginalized or relegated to a second-class citizen. It's so clear in the word of God that it says, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Right? So we are equal in the eyes of God. Fifth one, the Bible acknowledges and celebrates the priceless value of a virtuous woman. Proverbs 31 is all about the virtuous woman. And lastly, in Proverbs 8, woman is personified, sorry, wisdom is personified as a, as a woman, and the New Testament church is also personified as a woman, a bride of Christ. So, ladies, let's just get our attitude straight about what we think about ourselves. You know, when God looks at women, he exalts us, he honors us, and that's exactly the way that we need to look at ourselves. Okay. Now we're going to get into what is God's design for wives and mothers. Okay, ladies, this is going to be important stuff. Husbands, if you see your wives nodding them, just gently shake their chairs. Don't let them fall off. Okay, what are we women designed to do? One of the first things that God designed to do, uh, designed for us, is to love. If you see, God is Trinity. He is relational. So when he made us as women, he made us emotional and relational. You would know that you love to chat, you love to talk with your girlfriends, right? That's because God made us relational. And the fact is that those of us women who are in the Lord, you know, have a greater thing because we have the wisdom of the Lord and, you know, those of us who are a new creation are meant to love. So when God instituted marriage, he made sure that the intrinsic design of love would be in there. So we have been made to love. And the blueprint of love is given in the Bible. In 1 Corinthians chapter 13. Ladies, I want you to do one thing. If you notice in the PPT, the reason why I've put dash there is to get your names in it. You need to check to see, am I Jean? Am I patient? Am I kind? Jean, do I envy or not? And so on and so forth. So ladies, if you know that you are designed to love, we should love in the way 1 Corinthians 13 implores of us. 
The next thing that God has designed us to be is designed us to be a helper. The Bible teaches us that the role of a wife is to be a husband's helper. If you look at the verse, you know, the um, Hebrew word says Aza, which actually means who is sent to support and aid another. Now, it is important to know that if God has sent you as the helper, it definitely means that your husband needs help. Right? I just want you to think about it. Do you think that your husband will be able to procreate and reproduce himself? Um, sorry, procreate and reproduce? Or he would be able to take care of the family himself? No. God knew that man would not be able to do it alone. And as a result of which, he fittingly put a helper by his, by, by uh, your side, by, by his side. Right? So God created women with very unique things. He's given us some emotional abilities, some intellectual abilities and physical abilities that will complement our husbands. You know, if you look in the Bible, God is known as the helper. The Holy Spirit is also known as another helper. So does that mean that God is inferior to man simply because he helps us? No. God, it's a, you look at it the same way. You are in no way inferior, but you are there uh, by his side to be a helpmate. I think we should look at it. I think Pastor gave this example as well. Uh, as a husband and wife, we need to look at it as if we are participating in a team sport. If you want to win a game, you need to make sure that all the, all the team members play towards winning the game. So also you and your husband need to make sure that you win the game of marriage. The third one, designed to be submissive. Ladies, I know you're not going to like to hear it. So should we close the doors of the church? Okay, make sure husbands you hold your ladies tight. I know that some, for some of you that this word, it makes you extremely uneasy. And you probably, uh, that, that word just kind of rubs you the wrong way. But I want, you, want to encourage you to take a look at it through the eyes of scripture. Now submission is something that you do in every aspect of your life. Um, for example, when, if you ride a bike or drive a car, you know, you, you go out on the road you have to be in submission to the law. You have to be in submission to that traffic light, right? Or let's say you go, you work and you are an employee. You have to be in submission to your boss. You can't just do what you think is right. You have to be in submission to them. Suppose it's your health, okay? You need to go to a doctor. You need to be in submission to what he, his diagnosis or his treatment is. But the fact is that you never see that submission as something that is... Uh, degrading to you in your, as, as a person, do you? You never do. You just submit because you know that it is for your good or it is for the harmony of your health or harmony of your safety that you do it. And that's exactly what, how I want you to look at it in the case of marriage. When, when God did institute submission, he actually said that, you know, we can have true health and true harmony in our marriage. So before we look at what submission is, let's look at what submission is not. The first thing is that submission does not mean that you are a second-class citizen or you are inferior to your husband in any way. You know, through the Bible, you can see there is total equality of a woman. And that is shown in Galatians 3.28, where it says, there is neither male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Amen? Now, I like what uh, uh, John MacArthur, he's a, he's a famous pastor who has written about the roles that God and Christ holds. He says, God and Christ have roles of authority and submission. 
yet they are one in essence as God. So it is with husband and wife. Their roles differ, but in essential quality and value, they are equal. So what we need to say, see is that we are not different in our value or in our quality. It's just that we have different roles to play and that's what makes us different. The second thing what submission is not is that it does not mean that you are your husband's personal slave. Can I hear an amen? I think women, you should support me more when I say something nice about you. Okay? You can't be equal, an equal heir with your husband as well as be a slave. You know what the scripture teaches? Scripture teaches by love serve one another. So what does that mean? Notice that this passage says love one another, serve one another. So just as much as the husband serves us, we are to serve our husbands. So now let's look at what submission does mean. There are three things of one. First, it is an attitude. It is an attitude of love, respect, and gentleness in the way you speak and act toward your husband. Let's just go back to the four walls of your bedroom. Can you think about how you speak and act to your husband? None of us see it here, but the true, our true selves come back at our homes. Yeah? So sometimes it is important for us to think and say, am I speaking to my husband in love? and in respect? Am I serving him in love and in respect? That is what God wants us to, wants us to do when, when he says submission. Treat them with love and respect. He may do a lot of things that are wrong, but that does not mean that we disrespect and withdraw our love from them. What is the second thing? Submission is more than just an attitude. It is also powerful action. It says, Submitting yourselves one to another in the fear of God. That is what Ephesians 5.21 says. The word submit actually also means to subdue. So what do you subdue? You subdue yourself. You subdue your selfishness. You know, in every relationship, we are very, very selfish. It is always a me-first society. I, you know, why should I love you if you don't love me? Why should I serve you if you didn't, don't wash my plate last evening? Why should I do that? So selfishness is something that is so common to all of us in our relationships. But what does God want us to do? He says submission is what really destroys selfishness. Let me give you an example of a couple that I saw in counseling. There was this husband who um, used to work and this, his work used to keep him away from home for long periods of time. And when he was at home, he used to go in the morning and come back in the evening. Now the wife was truly bugged with it that she decides to take things in her control and she says, okay, if he cannot be a part of this family, if he cannot be a part in making sure this home runs well, well, I need to show him, let me start working as well. So this woman goes in and she works. She thinks she's got that independence, she's got everything, but few months down the line, what do you think arose? Huge conflicts because there were conflicts about who's going to take the children to school, who's going to come back early once the office is done, who's going to do, uh, be at home when they're sick. So there were a lot of conflicts. And as a fallout of that, there were issues with the children. There were problems that occurred in the children. Let's take a reverse. Suppose this wife was clear enough to understand what, how she needs to be submission is to give up her selfishness. 
she would probably go to her husband and say, dear, you know, I'm having a tough time managing this entire thing. I think, you know, you need to, you need to be more at home, whatever. But she, at that point of time, she's able to discuss her concerns with her husband and fall into line with God's design. And you see that the consequence wouldn't have been just as much. So for us as wives, we may feel that it is our right to do certain things, but what we, what we forego to think is that submission actually means that we need to be unselfish. And the last thing what submission also is, is to allow your husband to, to take a leadership in the relationship. You know, women, when they submit to their husband, submit to the Lord. A woman should submit to their husband not because their husband really deserves it or merits it, but they do it because it is pleasing to the Lord. So you just do it because it's pleasing to the Lord. Sometimes your husband may not really deserve it, but you just do it because you know that it pleases the Lord. Remember that nothing escapes God's notice. So, you know, a wicked man will definitely be held accountable. But all, what are you asked to do? Submit to his leadership. At this point, uh, I think it's important to, for us to consider what submission means when, uh, when there is emotional or physical abuse. At this point of time, it is important that we combine practical wisdom with biblical truth. Very often, um, when we see this kind of abuse happening, it is definitely advisable that they move off from that environment into a safe environment, preferably with family members. And at this time, make sure that you know, the couple get into counseling, make sure that they mend their ways, figure out how they can get back together. Remember, this is not an ideal situation, right? And God does expect us to stay in unity. But then, as we, we do understand that as long as it is safe for the wife to return, she should make sure that she is in a safer environment. The fourth thing is um, designed to be a companion. You know, when God created Eve, one of the, um, one of the ultimate goals of, of marriage he saw was companionship. The fact that you are a companion to your husband. And the ways that you can be a companion is in your spiritually, socially, intellectually, emotionally, sexually. And that's why God created you to be a companion. So as a wife, you need to seek ways of how you can be a companion to your husband. So let me ask you this question, women. Is companionship a priority for you? Or do you rather have a good coffee out with your girlfriends? Well, if that's the answer, you need to relook and think about how you can build your companionship with your husband because that's the key essence of marriage. Your husband may be asking you for companionship in a particular area. I don't know what, it, what that is for you. It could probably be that he has some interest that he wants you to join him in or he wants you to join him in, in ministry or whatever or or doing something else, or even it could be just looking to you for sexual intimacy. So how much are we keen to really understand that my husband needs this companionship and it is God's design for me to be able to provide that companionship to my husband. And I think it's, it's essential that we look at it. I'd like to say one more thing to the ladies. Ladies, I know you, uh, you have a tough day keeping your home and keeping your children, 
but at the end of the time end of the day when your husband comes home please make sure that you save some energy for him some energy to give him a smile give him a hug ask him how things have been maybe uh, have a meal together you know pray together absolutely and and that is what we need to do save some energy for your husbands another design that god has has for us is to be virtuous if you look at the proverbs 31 woman she is someone who possesses that strength and substance you know if i were to look at that proverbs 31 without really looking at something very key there i would say oh no i just cannot do that i i'm i'm nowhere there and i'm sure most of us women probably feel that you know that woman is a superwoman she's a real virtuous noble woman but do you know where that character and st of strength comes from it comes in that verse that it says charm is deceptive and beauty is vain in is vain but a woman who fears the lord shall be praised so where does that strength and substance come from just in her personal reverence of god so she is so much in love with jesus christ that the rest of the things are like are easy it's it's no big deal it all just comes about so what do we learn from here we as women i think that's one of our biggest design is to have a personal walk with the lord because when we have a personal walk with the lord he will expose within us that sinful habit that so consumes us i don't know what it is for you it could probably be backbiting it could be probably be thinking something rotten about your husband i don't know but god will expose that and he will make you make you he will align you to his word and he will help you line up to do things of 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 what he wants us to amen amen the sixth point is be managers of the household you know as it's written in titus god has called us to manage our manager household so the domain of the home is ours we are responsible for our homes i'd like to put in a word for single mothers now you know while acknowledging that y'all as single parents accomplish a lot wear a lot of multiple hats of teacher guide provider everything um i i i think it is important for us to know that god never intended that you should play the role of a father and mother alone but also you need to remember that he will never forsake you he is your cover the answer that i have for single mothers is that god sees you he knows and he will see you through so what do you have where do you keep your hope your hope is to trust in him trust in his word to provide for you to take care of your children to be your support to be your your emotional need because when you do that he will open things that are unseen to your natural eye and provide for you much much more than you can ever think or imagine amen and the last that i see as a design is the primary responsibility is to raise children you know while husbands are given the responsibility of leadership i think wives and mothers are urged to be workers at home at this time um i do really want to acknowledge my mother i think um what what i do learn about primary the primary responsibility of raising children is from my mother and i know she's seated here watching me um but my mother was a qualified nurse and uh, she did she worked and she was a very good nurse you know there were a lot of people who accoladed her but there came a time when she decided that her responsibility was her children 
her extended family, her mother-in-law. She gave that up and she served us. So I know that she has served us for the last 50 years, you know. And it is not as though she um, lost her skills of nursing, but what I, I, I really appreciate her is because what she did was even when she was at home, she would seek out people to care for, to nurture, to make sure that they had any needs. And there are so many people I know still come back and tell me about my mother. <coughs> Sorry. And, and that, I think, is what, what she has taught me, that the home and the children are to be absolute priority. So when you look at motherhood, you know, I think it is a blessed time to have because there is no, uh, nothing else that can influence people like a mother can. You know, you can be involved with your children, you can teach your children the scripture, you can train them up to bring their, uh, their strengths up, you can, um, you can just build them up, you discipline them, you nurture them, and mostly you are their biggest model. You know, if you look at some of these shows where they talk about where people come in and say, you know, I've been successful. Most of them don't say I'm successful because of my dad. They'll say, hi, mom. It's because all because of you. You know, so that's the kind of heart a mother has. And that's where our design is, to be able to give in to our children. Now, um, although I do say that the home is the primary responsibility of a mother, I know that there are a lot of working moms here. And God has given us a lot of abilities, a lot of um, strengths, a lot of skills to be good workers. And I don't say it's a bad thing. In fact, if you look at Proverbs 31, it does encourage a woman. She's, she holds a business there. But all that I have to say is our primary calling is the home. Our primary calling is our children. So for those mothers who are working, make sure that you have a strong balance at your home, strong balance at your work and home, making your home the primary responsibility. Amen. Are you all awake? Anybody wants to leave? No, because this is the fun part. Okay. Then we're going to go looking into what are the practical ways that you can live out God's design. One of the first things we need to remember is that the core of our life is not serving our husbands and our children. The core of our lives is not serving our husband and our children. What does that mean? It means the core of our life is keeping God as first priority. So when you, when you keep God as first priority, you are living his design. So for those of you who think I, I'm living to make sure that my husband and children are comfortable, no, that is not your design. That is not what you should be looking at. You should be looking at pleasing the Lord first. You know, many women miss out living the blessed life because they do not put God first. If you see, firsts are very important to God. Firsts. And what is that first? One of the things that God commands us is you shall have no other gods. No other gods? Before me. So you don't keep your husband and your children as gods. You need to make sure that you keep God as priority. You know, not putting God uh, as priority is like buttoning your shirt incorrectly. If you don't get the first button right, what happens? The rest of the buttons are not buttoned right, right? But if you do get the first button right, the rest will all line up clear. So if you keep God as priority, everything will line up, match perfectly. Amen. So go back and button your shirts well. What else has, is a practical way that we can live? Is to know that our worth comes from the Lord. 
For the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being caught. If I ask you to describe yourself, how would you describe? Would you describe yourself as I am the wife of Mr. X or I am the employee of company A or I am the proud mother of my athletic son? How do you describe yourself? Or do you see your worth in the kind of money that you get? Some of us, I know women are really paid well. So does our self-esteem come from the checks that we get? Or some of us don't have that at all. We don't have worth at all because we, we kind of attach it to circumstances in our life or we attach it to things that have been in our past. But what does God expect of us? God expect of us, uh, expects of us is to know that our worth comes from the Lord and only the Lord. You know, a wife is portrayed in scripture far from being worthless. You know why? I'll, show, I'll tell you. It says in Proverbs 19:14, houses and riches are an inheritance from fathers, but a prudent wife is from the Lord. Do you know that you are compared to the greatest inheritance that a man can get? What is the greatest inheritance you can have from your fathers? It's their property, right? But you know how God's, God has likened us to that inheritance, that we're prudent women. Right? So our self-worth needs to come just from knowing that we are the Lord's. Amen. Amen. The third way that you can um, live out this design is to compliment your husband. Okay, now I, I need to have ears perked up. Husbands, you can just, you can, you can just have, give them a little glance so that they know we're talking about them. Okay, I'm lucky that Binny's not here. He's in Children's Church. Okay, so to fulfill God's design as a wife, we need to understand how we can compliment our husband. Now, if you know complimenting your husband is like a lock and a key. You know, a, a key works only good with one lock. So what you need to look at and see is what are your husband's strengths? Where can you, you know, you probably are weak in some areas, but he's strong. Or you are strong in some areas and he could be weak. But then the fact is that you complement your husband in different areas. Let's just take a couple of examples. Maybe in the area of finance. Sometimes, you know, you find that part, one of the partners are maybe stronger in managing their finances. Or one of them is better off at it. So it doesn't mean that the husband always needs to manage the finance. Give it on to the wife. Or in the area of childcare. I've seen a lot of men. I think one of them is Pastor Brian from East. You know, very adept in childcare. So what does that mean? We complement each other. So, so wives, what I implore you to do is to complement your husband. One of the ways you can complement your husband is not to act selfishly. You know, if you see two children go on a bike and they're going on a straight line, if the first child stops, right, he breaks, what does the other child do? He rams straight into the second one, right? What is that called? It's called plain needling, plain intimidation. And to make matters worse, what, is, what does the boy in front do? He gets up and makes matters worse. That's called childishness. And very often, we are extremely childish in our marriages. Don't you agree? You know, if I look back, I sometimes think I've been so childish in, in bringing up something that was so, that was, that was not even necessary to be brought up. But that, that's something that we need to take care of is, you know, when we communicate with our husbands, with maturity, it is a choice that we are doing. Um, for example, for those of us who have short-tempered husbands, right? You have a fight and your husband is a little short-tempered. What do you do? You come up in, in front of the battle line, get up your double battle gun and start to shoot. 
But what are we asked to do? Step back, you know, use maturity, figure out a way that will bring down the entire problem. Because the word says, a soft answer turns away wrath. So there are times that we, as women, we'd like to be childish, we need to take maturity as a choice. The fourth one is living in understanding. Okay, God commands husbands to dwell with their spouses with understanding. Now husbands, you're saying, I thought our message was over. Why are you bringing this back? I'll tell you why. Because notice in the passage of Proverbs 19.14, because it says, a prudent wife is from the Lord. So understanding has to be also from the wife. So the two verses balance each other, right? So the husband needs to be understanding, the wife needs to be understanding as well. Let me give you an example. Right after Bini and I were married, we had the mandatory trip of all young Malayali couples to go to Kerala and visit relatives. And we were on a day train to Calicut. And my expectation was that, oh, it's a nice long journey, we can sit and chat about dreams and future. But little did I know that my husband had a totally different expectation and that was to sleep throughout that journey. Well, I didn't understand then, but I do so now. Uh, on the reverse, I am a morning person. Bini is an absolutely late, late person. And he's awake post 11 o'clock in the night. He's well and awake. So it is at 12 and 12.30 that he decides that we have some spiritual discussions. And I mean heavy ones, sir. Huh? Not, not, the, not the lighter ones. And some of the times it's with the light off. And then he'll be talking and talking and talking. He'll say, Jean, and there'll be no response. So the next morning he got up. Till where did you hear what I said? But the fact is that, you know, what we need to understand is that we are wired in very, very different ways. So your husband is not going to be like your neighbor's husband. They are wired very differently. And it is for us to be intentional about understanding what is it that makes them different from us. And, you know, the best thing to do is embrace those differences. So what the kind of logic we found out is, you know, we don't talk in the morning, we don't talk in the night, we find an afternoon time to talk, right? So that both of us are kind of awake. I also do extend this understanding a bit to family members especially the in-laws. Okay, do I hear women say, Jean, please don't bring that up. But what we ladies do need to realize is more often that your in-law does not always mean to be controlling or demanding. Most, most of the time, it's just that they are doing it lovingly, although they don't know, it the, know the right way to do it, but they're just probably doing it lovingly. So it's important for you to have a good chat with your mother-in-law and figure out ways how you can live in understanding. But of course, if it is much more deeper than what I said, it's important to get Christian counsel on dealing with it because we are to live in peace with everyone. That includes your husband's parents. The fifth one is subduing your desires to rule and control over your husband. You know, God has given your husband the position of being the head and leader within the family. Now, why did he give, give him that responsibility? 
because, not because he's superior to you, but because he wants to make sure that there is harmony. You know, imagine tomorrow if you woke up in the morning, you had two heads. What confusion would there be? One head will be asking you to go to the left, the other to the right. So God knew that if there are going to be two heads in the family, there's going to be utter chaos and confusion. So what are we called to do? We are called to be the heart of the family, where, we, where you open up your warmth, open up your love towards your husband and towards your family. Sometimes we tend to control our husbands. You know, I know I've heard this very often. I just wish my husband was a little tidier, a little organized, or a little more considerate. My marriage would be fine. And you know how people resort to doing that? Either by nagging or manipulating. Nag, 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 nag. Let me tell you what Proverbs says. It says, a nagging wife is worse than a dripping faucet. I know it's cut us deep, ladies. If you've heard that dripping tap in the night, you know how, how irritating that is? That's how we sound when we nag. Let me give you a quick fix for that. I'm sure you want to hear that. Okay, let me tell you that. The quick fix is stick the Holy Spirit on him. You know what you do? Suppose you've asked your husband to, um, to um, fix the bathroom, okay? Ten times in the last one, two days, and he just doesn't do it. So what you go to say, Holy Spirit, I have tried telling my husband many times, but he's just not listening. Holy Spirit, get him. And I'm telling you, it will work. So every time you figure that, you know, your husband's not just getting to do something, just go to the Holy Spirit and say, yes, Holy Spirit, time to tell you about my husband. And I mean that, I mean, although I bought it up as a, you know, presented it as a joke, but I absolutely mean that. Instead of nagging, instead of manipulating, go to God and say, Holy Spirit, you said that you will convince. You said that you will help. Stay true to your word and do that for me. Make sure that you do that with my husband. And the Holy Spirit will do it in his time, in his way. All that you need to do is absolutely just wait. Some of the other ways that you can subdue your control is, you know, when your husband makes a mistake, what do we ladies do? I told you so. I told you not to do that. Right? That is the way that we get, our, get control. But I think it's important for us to let the experience be the teacher. Let them learn from their mistakes. And often, other times are, you ask your husband to make the bed. Okay? And you don't like the way he's done. So what do you do? You undo it, you redo it. and say, you know, this is the way that it needs to be done. Yeah? I do that quite often. I'm guilty of that. But we need to make sure that we accept our men for the help that they give because that's the best that they have done and they're doing it to please you, right? Or another thing that we could probably do is, you know, when, when you know that your husband has sinned, you know, reprove him gently. Don't threaten to bring him up to the pastor. Okay, be gentle with him and then I'm sure he will, he, he'll be more willing to understand. The last thing that we could do, I'm almost coming to the end, ladies, so that you can breathe a sigh, is building your home. When you look at building your home, are you building your family, building your husband, or are you pulling them down? Are you speaking bad, 
or are you speaking well? You know what the Bible says? It says the wise woman builds her house, but the foolish one pulls it down. Did you know that you as a wife and a mother uh, has very powerful words? You know, encouraging words are like a magnet. When you say encouraging words, people will be attracted to you. So also your husband. There's a pastor by name, Pastor Mark Driscoll, who's written something in his book, which I found very encouraging about real marriage. He says that you can build your husband by doing three things. Using the head of respect, the heart of respect, and the hands of respect. Let's start with the head of respect. The head of respect is what you think about your husband. How do you think about your husband? Do you think of him as useless, irresponsible, a slob? Because what you think about your husband is what, is what you're going to feel about him. So it's important to change that. Some of you may say, but Jean, I have nothing nice to think about him. No, I don't think so. You know, God made a good thing when he made a husband. So, so you will definitely find something that's good. You know what Philippians 4.8 says? It says, think of things that are true, noble, right, pure, lovely, admirable, excellent, and praiseworthy. So think of those things about your husband. If you, need, if you need to write a journal, write it on your phone. My husband is loving. My husband is kind. Whatever. You need to do that. Because when you have a head of respect, you begin to have a heart of respect. You begin to feel love. You begin to feel respect. Otherwise, if you think of him as useless, what do you begin to think? You're not going to love him. You're not going to have positive feelings to him. So if you have a head of respect, a heart of respect, it will naturally come up to hands of respect, where you will serve him lovingly. Having said this, I also want to say how we could build up our children. I know we've spoken a lot about parenting last, but I just want to bring a couple of points. One of the things that we do to break our children is make comparisons. Why aren't you like the neighbor boy? Why don't you, you know, study your maths like your sister? Or why don't you throw the ball like somebody else? Let's make sure that we don't do that. Second is, we never should attack our child, but address the behavior. I've heard a lot of parents saying, you are a bad boy. I hate you. You know, we have, we have attacked that child. In, in fact, we need to address the behavior, not the child. And lastly, speak well of them in their presence or in their absence. When your kids are at home or when your kids are, are, are at school, you know, when people come in, I've heard, I've heard mother say, oh, my son, I don't know where, I don't even know if he's going to pass SSLC. I'm not even sure. Speak well of them. That's how you will build your home. Lastly, it's be quick to forgive and quick to repent. I'm sure all of us have had fights as couples. Well, if you haven't, come and meet me because there's something wrong. But as a wife, you have a choice to harbor offense or you have a choice to be patient and forgiving. You know what the Bible says? It says, it says, be angry and do not sin. And do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So it is up to us to be humble enough to ask forgiveness from our husbands. Sometimes, you know, when there is a fight at home, there's a big storm. Okay, the, the waves are rising, everything is going up and down, and then there's a, there's a lull. You know what that lull is called? It's called the silent treatment. And very often, we as women give our husbands the silent treatment, not talking to them for days and weeks and years. And the sad fact is that we think that 
we hope to think that they know that we are displeased. But let me tell you, ladies, half the time your husband doesn't know why you are silent. You ask him, he says, you know, haven't you heard your husband come say, you know, what is wrong? Why aren't you talking to me? So remember that by being silent, you're getting nothing done. And the command of the Lord is to make sure that before the sun goes down, make sure that you forgive and repent. Right. You can breathe. I'm almost to the end. Ladies, you may say, you know, the design that God has given us is righteous, it's good. But Jean, you have absolutely no idea what I'm going through, what my reality is. You just have no idea. You just have no idea where I am. Some of you may be feeling guilty because you're not in line with God's design. Some of you may be disappointed because no matter how much you love and respect your husband, you're not getting that same love and respect back. There's no reciprocal of that love and respect from your husband or your children. Some of you may be disillusioned. Jean, I've come to the end of this, and I don't think there's any turning back. We've, we've moved far away from each other. Some of you may be feeling lonely. You know, I'm all alone in this. I manage everything in our home. I'm the mother and the father. You know, how can I live out this design? Or some of you may be patting your backs and saying, not bad, I think a good, I did a good job. Well, whatever you're feeling today, can I ask all the wives and the mothers to please stand? This is heart to heart, ladies. We may all be in very different seasons of our marriage and our family. Rather than attempting or wishing that things will change, that the people in our environment will change, all I just want to do is be in a position where you can just receive the generous grace of God. Generous grace of God to help you through this situation. Because the Bible says, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you will always have all sufficiency in all things, so that you may abound in every good work. So ladies, I just want you to stand. As you stand, just ask God, God, it's a grace that I ask from you. May I also request everybody else to stand now. Ladies, if you are standing beside your husband or your children, I'd like you to grab hold of your husband or child's hand. I know some of you may have had an argument today. It's okay. You can just hold their hands. And I just want you to think about what you heard today. What has God has spoken to you? You've heard a couple of things, a lot of things, in fact. You know, to be a helper, to be submissive, to be complimenting, to say the right things. You've probably heard of many things, but I'm sure there are a couple of things that has touched your heart. And I just pray, just ask that in the quietness of where we are right now, that you will commit to doing something you heard today towards your husband and your children. That you will commit to doing something that you heard today that will fall in line with God's design for you as a wife and a mother. And church, 
men, as your wives are doing that, you could, you could just pray that God's grace will abound on them so that they will be abundant in every good work. Could we just take a minute to do that? We trust that this message was a blessing to you. We'd love to hear from you. You can email us at contact at apcwo.org. Also, visit our website www.apcwo.org for additional resources. Thank you for listening and God bless you.